Hello everyone, this is uh, Alberto Ferro, your host at uh, Where is the Music podcast. As you're getting ready for a new musical investigation, preparing your ears and imagination for another journey in the world of music, I would like to remind you that Where is the Music podcast has no sponsor. It relies entirely on donations from listeners like yourselves. You can find a link to my website, albertoferro.com, and to my Patreon account in the episode description. If you like what I do and would like me to continue doing it, I encourage you to become a supporter of the podcast, which publishes an episode every week. Thank you for listening, and now let's find out where is the music. Hello everyone, and welcome back to Where is the Music podcast. Today I wanted to share with you my passion for one of the greatest jazz pianists who ever walked on earth. Uh, His name is Bill Evans, I'm sure many of you are familiar with him and uh, are fans of him like I am. Evans, I think, was more than just a jazz artist. Uh, It is regarded um, by many as a true poet. The distinction might be trivial, but perhaps a poet is uh, who can speak straight to the heart. Um, Bill Evans was an American pianist and composer. He was a huge influence on the modern jazz, particularly on bebop. He recorded with uh, his own trio and uh, uh, he recorded with Miles Davis towards the beginning of his uh, career. Um, It is interesting, uh, in the late part of his career, uh, I found interesting his collaboration with uh, the singer Tony Bennett in duo. Uh, Their recordings are easily available. Uh, it's true art um, and also uh, well he recorded a lot of um, trio music he was able to redefine uh, the jazz trio after uh, Oscar Peterson uh, more remarkably uh, most remarkably I'd say he recorded a few solo albums I think called uh, conversation with myself and then another one is called alone Um, his life was uh, uh, struck by um, difficulties Uh, he had uh, some family issue and also he for a long time he was um, dependent uh, from drunk from drugs Um, he died at the age of 51 in 1980 Uh, His musical talent was enormous, I'd say, uh, and so was his commitment, uh, almost an obsession uh, for learning. Um, Whenever pianists learn about uh, Bill Evans' approach to practice, they, as as I did when I learned about it, they get overwhelmed by the the level of complexity and and, and richness of his uh, routine. Um, 
he has studied uh, classical music uh, intensely and um, he uh, he he will practice <laughs> a tune a jazz tune um, in the style of uh, a four parts harmony uh, which is uh, a kind of uh, kind of odd for jazz because th this four parts harmony is typical of uh, Bach choral works and he would do that uh, in 12 keys uh, if you have uh, some music, uh, some musical upbringing, some musical understanding, uh, you perhaps see already the insanity of uh, of this approach. Um, but um, it also shows uh, the level of commitment and technical expertise uh, of uh, a pianist such as uh, Bill Evans. We are looking at not just a master of the instrument, but uh, a master of creativity, someone who would turn upside down a tune, a melody, uh, a chord or a sequence um, to make it uh, um, as expressive and as, as original as possible. Um, I wanted to go through a little bit of his uh, style uh, today and I'm gonna use a tune that I have learned a while ago. It's not a tune of his, although I would love um, perhaps in the future to dedicate a podcast to uh, one or two of his tunes because there are beautiful compositions. But um, this one is um, uh, someone else's composition. is called A Time for Love. Um, he, it is um, a recording uh, in one of his uh, solo albums. Um, and uh, um, it's a tune I think from a from a movie um, a ballad uh, uh, time for love is called it it is about love <laughs> and I chose it uh, because it's a perfect example of um, Belevan's artistic vision um, the melody is relatively linear is very lyrical uh, I would say it's not a typical jazz melody but this is also something that happens quite often in, in jazz. Um, melodies uh, become jazz. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> they don't. They're not born as uh, as typically jazz, but they become jazz in the hands of uh, jazz artists. Um, so for Belevans, a uh, linear melody such as this is an opportunity um, to to. To make it blossom uh, through his style. Um, let's have a quick look at the lyrics because they might give us some hints of what the song is about. Uh, they seem to portray um, images of, uh, of course, love, images of nature. Let's, uh, let's go, let's see. Uh, a time for summer skies, for hummingbirds and butterflies, for tender words that harmonize with love a time for climbing hills for leaning out of windowsills admiring daffodils above you 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 get a sense it's very very poetic very romantic um, and then it goes a time for holding hands together a time for rainbow colored weather a time of make-believe that we've been dreaming of. As time goes drifting by, 
the willow bends, and so do I. But all my friends, wherever sky above, I know a time for spring, a time for fall, but best of all, a time for love. So the lyrics uh, give us images of uh, fleeting beauty, I'd say. Um, perhaps they draw a parallel between love and um, those life moments that are brief, temporary. But uh, perhaps because of that they are profound. Um, so think of uh, things like uh, summer skies, hummingbirds and butterflies, daffodils, rainbows. Uh, all of these are things that uh, are temporary. And in a sense, uh, I'm not saying uh, that this is unique in, uh, uh, in songs. But um, if we think that this tune, this melody, might have been already in the ears of the uh, American public in the, in the 60s, you might already have a glimpse of what um, an artist uh, would start, uh, where an artist would start from. Uh, these images, these ideas, this, this uh, let's say, context um, would be um, taken uh, into consideration for, for improvisation. Mm. Um, particularly, uh, musicians uh, rely, um, among other things, certainly on um, the associations that we uh, create with the uh, with tune. Uh, uh, as I mentioned, the, the public, the American public in the 60s uh, knew probably already this tune and could appreciate or interpret uh, a musical interpretation having in mind what the lyric uh, what the lyric meant, what the lyric were saying. But other things that musicians can rely on are the um, uh, specific characteristics of, uh, of a tune. I'm talking about the contour of a melody, the, the, the harmonic development and uh, perhaps the tempo, the feel that are chosen uh, by the composer. This particular case is a song with lyrics. The composer is uh, Johnny Mandel and the lyricist is Paul Francis Webster. Uh, the song was featured in a movie called uh, An American Dream in 1966. So everything is already there. Uh, an interpreter, like in this case Bill Evans, has uh, the material given already, uh, the theme given already, this uh, love theme and, <laughs> and all we just, uh, we just described. So the tune comes with particular characteristics that might serve as a source of uh, uh, free association and creativity for, for the interpreter. Um, but more than that, and I'll say uh, this is the difference between um, a musician, normal musician, perhaps a student or a practitioner and uh, an artist, is uh, uh, the whole uh, vocabulary of uh, association that um, one grows, one develops by studying music and uh, the very often the distinction between 
a great artist and, a, and, a, and just a good one is um, that a great artist is not afraid of going in every possible uh, direction in order to develop their vocabulary um, so today what we will be looking at particularly are some musical choices that uh, Belevance made to this uh, to this melody um, to turn this melody into something very personal and very uh, unique and musically uh, rich um, first of all I wanted to share with you the uh, contour of this melody um, to see whether it can tell us something um, generally uh, interesting or, or not the melody goes like this I played the first uh, two verses, which uh, you might have noticed, they are pretty much uh, the same. It seems to be a scale, a scale going downwards from this high note. To this one. It doesn't seem to be particularly, um, uh, let's say, original. But what we can say is that being the scale, well, the scale is just a scale of D major. Etc. So what I find interesting is that uh, the composer has chosen to, uh, let's say, stay on the weak notes. Notice just these two notes, they really carry the energy forward. They are so weak, they cannot uh, stay there, they need to move forward. To give you a sense, a more, a more precise sense of what I'm talking about, um, the, the same melody can be played on the strong notes. Those are all the notes of the main harmony, huh? uh, but uh, the composer has chosen to stay on the weak ones. You see how much tension this, and even here we cannot really stay there. We need to continue, and we might even add that this descent, this uh, fall uh, of the melody perhaps has a, um, a visual parallel we can make with something um, 
that uh, falls down that ends like uh, time that uh, when it's really beautiful it's it feels short and ends and so the fall of the melody might uh, suggest to me at least that uh, uh, something is uh, is about to end something will will end um so what does Belevans do in this particular in this opening passage is um, for each of these, uh, let's say, weak notes uh, creates a uh, three-dimensional, I will say, harmony. orchestra uh, apparently let's have a look uh, in close detail the first chord he plays the second is even more striking it's quite dissonant the full passage a lot of harmony so you hear the um, uh, approach the melody is clear and loud and solid is not messed with it's very lyrical and is stated um, very clearly what is not clear or at least what is so rich are this harmony uh, this chords each one is uh, is a marvel uh, there is a so-called explosion of color. Each harmony seems to be uh, opened up. Uh, we, I can even uh, think of uh, uh, literally like brushes of uh, of color, uh, so rich. I think of uh, think of the second verse when it goes. Um, Discord. This is, of course, an arpeggio in the left hand, but we have something like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven notes. There's a seven notes, six notes actually, sorry, six notes harmony right here.
right after this one. I mean chords with six notes I I'm not sure we can be any richer than that the piano in Belevan's hands is uh, is an orchestra uh, there are uh, layers like sections of the orchestra uh, that are given uh, particular melodies or particular role this is even more even clearer in the uh, in the bridge Notice uh, how, apart from the melody, how much is happening. statement of the melody ends um, isn't this just a, a marvel uh, how many hands does does it seem uh, to have uh, there's so much happening but also it doesn't seem that anything can be taken away the flow of notes the the richness of harmony they seem to be describing the 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 poetry of the lyrics uh, rainbow colored weather uh, daffodils um, hummingbirds and butterflies summer skies and then uh, um, so uh, each of these images somehow seems to 
ask us to be contemplated, maybe briefly, but profoundly. And in a sense, <laughs> as the same for each of these chords, like uh, this passage between uh, the end of the bridge section and the beginning of the final verse. Each of this uh, chord is just so so rich, um, and of course he. I was mentioning earlier how uh, he was uh, studying each tune in twelve possible keys, and he just uh, at the end of the statement of the tune he just does something very mm, virtuosic. He just changes key. And he does it in a way that is very hard to understand, or not to understand, to, to notice. It's just so smooth. Right, the melody is coming back. Uh, I'm not sure if I wasn't reading this music, I'm not sure I would really notice that the key has changed. We, we went from a key of D major to the key of, uh, of B flat major. decides to go into swing to give it a little bit of uh, of, of groove and uh, he decides to improvise I'm gonna, gonna play you a bit to give you just the sense of uh, where is it going with this solo is in the new key um, towards the end um, actually when the solo finishes and he comes back to uh, to the main theme he comes back also to the original key doing another um, smooth transition <laughs> Thank you. 
to the original theme, to the initial theme and also to the initial key. Once again it's very hard to, to notice how, <laughs> how he makes these modulations. So the poetry of Bilevans uh, can be probably described in this way. Uh, it's about becoming the most expressive possible with the uh, limited tools available. He has just one musical instrument. Uh, and it, this seems to be quite, uh, quite a lesson that uh, jazz has uh, given uh, to the world. Think of uh, Louis Armstrong or uh, Miles Davis. People who can say so much with so little. Uh, it is not necessary to uh, say everything that is possible to say uh, if your goal is to say something of meaning. And so um, an interpretation like uh, this one that I just played by Bill Evans seems to be uh, very expressive by just exploiting all the potential of your instrument, all the potential of your melody, all the potential of a chord, a chord sequence. The lesson to me is instead of searching for new things to say or adding uh, variety and complexity, how about uh, I search what uh, this material is giving me? In this case, the lyrics of uh, this tune, it has given a lot to, to Belevens. Um, great jazz uh, is doing that all the time. Uh, it reminds of uh, how profound music can be without multiplying its means, uh, but pretty much by saying more with less. As a matter of fact, I'm always fascinated of how uh, there are certain things about jazz that have stayed uh, the same for for 150 years, uh, the piano, the drums, the saxophone, the double bass, they, the, the trumpet of course, they have stayed there. Artists just get close to their instrument which is a centuries old instrument and become uh, expressive with, with that. Um, Evans uh, takes a melody and turns it into a symphony um, which uh, um, makes me think of uh, well part of the fascination of jazz is uh, that is about communicating art that is truthful because of its immediacy um, improvisation is the way we know about its immediacy um, which is different from going to see uh, someone performing a score that already exists. Uh, the fact that some music is improvised is, is evidence that something uh, in that particular moment is happening and we as listeners we can uh, react to it, respond to it. Um, but what, what, I mean this arrangement, the one that I just played um, for you, shows the um, potential of this uh, uh, immediacy, 
how deep and how how much work can you do on a tune in order to turn it into a symphony uh, um, I remember how Mozart once was able to write like a symphony I think it was the Jupiter symphony in uh, um, in just a few days um, which is of course <laughs> quite uh, impossible uh, Belevans plays a short symphony in around four minutes uh, using the entire expressive palette uh, of his instrument and uh, and his own style um, I really encourage you to uh, listen to more of his uh, stuff I and mean, I'm particularly uh, fond of his piano solo material well for obvious reason I'm I'm a pianist but uh, at the same time in his solo stuff he you could hear um, the symphonic approach, the, poly the constant polyphony, the, the richness of his uh, vocabulary. Um, I studied some of his trio material and uh, it's, it's very complex, uh, in inimitable. Um, with the piano solo stuff I can relate a little bit uh, little bit better uh, of course it's a matter of taste uh, some prefer the early trios some prefer the later trios um, um, I encourage you to spend some time with this uh, uh, incredible unique uh, uh, poet of the piano um, okay with this I'm gonna play as best as I can this wonderful arrangement and obviously as usual uh, share a link to it uh, to the original one uh, by uh, Bill Evans himself I hope you enjoyed today's episode and um, I uh, look forward to uh, our next encounter here at uh, Where is the Music Podcast bye bye <laughs>
Thanks for listening to Where is the Music podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, look up for others. I made a few. I publish an episode every week roughly, investigating each time a different aspect of music. The music making, the music listening, the meaning of music and its relevance in our lives. It is very helpful for me if you like, subscribe, follow on your favorite platform. Where is the Music is on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TuneIn and Google Podcasts. If you like to support me, you are free to do so through Patreon. Link in description. Thank you again. Until next time.